Welcome to the Multiverse of Badness. I am your host, Mike, along with your host, Zach, along with the first ever guests we've had on the Multiverse of Badness. And Mike, I am very excited. Would you like to tell the Mob Squad just who we have in for them today? I guess you're not counting when my wife was banging the dishes around in the last episode. So we won't count her, but we will count these two guys. They have a great podcast on the Spotify's and the Apple's, etc., etc. Their names are James B. and Eddie from the podcast. Sorry, Zach, I know you wrote our theme music, but they have the best theme music of any podcast. I can't get that out of my head. Let's read Spider-Man! James B., Eddie, how are you guys doing today, and what do you do over at the Let's Read Spider-Man podcast? And a quick question before you start. Who wrote your theme song? Because I agree, it is better than ours. <laughs> Uh, the theme song is written by a um, former colleague of mine, but a teacher, music teacher at at our school, and he is he is amazing. And we've said it many times: our theme song is the best thing about our podcast. It's, it's <laughs> unreal how good it is. When I heard it, like I called him up, and I'm, he's like, "What's it about again?" I'm like, "It's about Spider Man, man. Like, come on." And <laughs> is that like, a man okay, who okay. was bitten by Spider Man? <laughs> And he did it very quickly. I we gotta thank you, Jeff Keniston. He's the guy out there. So, oh, I was gonna say it's catchy as shit. The lyrics leave a lot to be desired, <laughs> but it tells you exactly what you're getting. When we started the podcast, I uh, I reached out. I he Jeff Keniston owed me a favor, and I said, "Hey, just whip up something." I gave him some samples, and uh, he said, "You want lyrics?" I said, "No, no lyrics." And now I can't imagine without it. But but Eddie and I know that uh, the best part of our podcast is the music, followed by the logo, possibly the sponsor, um, the content in between. Eh, you know, take it or leave it. Right, Eddie? That's right. Spider-Man? Uh, okay. Old Spider-Man. I think you're selling yourselves short. Give the Mob Squad the real pitch, because you guys do have one hell of a show. Tell us about it. All right. So what we do, uh, Zach, thank you so much, is we read all the amazing Spider-Man issues. We usually knock off two at a time. Uh, we try to keep it really short. We like to have a 30-minute or less podcast. It's kind of a guarantee. Each week, Eddie and I break down a Spider-Man comic or two. We discuss the summary of the comic and try to have a little fun in between. Uh, we are reading the comics for the first time, so the listeners join in with us and we find out things as we read them. It's not something that we have the knowledge of beforehand and we hope it's a good opportunity for listeners to learn about Spider-Man with us and get that background knowledge. Thankfully, we have you on our podcast today because we have a doozy. We have yet another issue of Spider-Man that you guys probably weren't going to review on Let's Read Spider-Man because I'm not even sure this is really a comic book. <laughs> this ad supplement included our friend Spider-Man and his new friends, the Dallas Cowboys, in this comic-slash-advertisement named The Dallas Cowboys and Spider-Man. <laughs> they got top billing. <laughs> Much like The Prodigy, does not get an issue number, sadly, because I was really looking for a follow-up to this banger. But how should we start this out? By simply saying, for starters, this is some of the laziest filling in of pages and anything other than what is exactly going on in the front that I've seen. Uh, <laughs> the artist, by the way, is the same artist. I can't remember his name. I think it's Gamble. This is the same artist that drew our favorite Marvel team-up 131 with the White Rabbit and the Frogman. 
but he got really lazy here and literally everything is just what is in front and nothing in the back <laughs> i mean just if we're talking about the art in the comic book the cover alone in which yes. just is spider-man having a machine hoiked to him by a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys as he's being taken down by actual circus members. Eddie, James B, how did the cover strike you when you first saw it? Well, when I saw it, I I thought, like, this cover didn't have the word Dallas Cowboys on it originally, and they were like, wait, 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 let me see that. And they, like, pushed their thumb down on a sticker because it, it looks superimposed <laughs> across the top, you know? And then... There's, there are, like, Spider-Man villains in this. We see the Ringmaster, and we see some guys in purple strongmen, I guess, fighting with the Dallas Cowboys. There's a lot going on, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I knew exactly anything that was going to happen after well, it. <laughs> I think I'm the resident football expert here, so my bigger concern is that Spider-Man's not a lefty, so he's going to have to make a difficult over-the-shoulder <laughs> back throw here because he's catching it. Uh, and he's also got pass interference because this muscle guy is already grabbing yes. him and he's he's way too early. So I see a penalty on the play. And if Spider-Man makes this catch, I'm going to be very, very impressed. I'm actually more impressed with the ringmaster and the clown because at least the strong man you assume is pretty strong. They're out there playing football without gear on against a team that has gear on. If they get tackled, they're going to get hurt pretty badly. Well, we can only hope, so let's jump into the story and see just how many grown men get injured, shall we? <laughs> yeah, and we'll just make this quick. This starts out, they're going to a football game because Mark wants to go see his hometown Dallas team play. His dad, who is an inventor, is going to take him. J. Jonah Jameson happens to be here to talk about Mark's dad's anti-gravity device. And literally, one of my favorite parts of this is when Mark exits the plane... Uh, he's in a wheelchair, but instead of going, first off, I'm not sure how he was going to get out of the plane, because if you look at it, there's steps leading up. So I guess the whole plan all along was to anti-gravity mark 20 feet up in the air with a, in a wheelchair. Probably not the safest thing to do to your son, but he also lets his son get kidnapped later on. So it's par for the course. I mean, two things you've skipped over out of the bat. The first line of spoken dialogue in this book is, Dallas, look, Daddy, it's bigger and more beautiful than ever. I'm sorry, unlike the universe, Dallas is not constantly expanding, as far as I know. <laughs> and the other thing I love about this first page is the second panel. The picture of Mark, I don't know if you guys remember when Hostess used to have a lot of advertisements. This looks straight like a Hostess ad. He could be looking at Dallas or a Twinkie, either one, right? In that moment where he's staring out his window, I guess. Also, Mark Mark is, I don't know, how old is this kid? Maybe nine years old. And, you know, he has this great knowledge of the history of Dallas as he looks out and he says, it's bigger and more beautiful than ever from all the years I remember it. <laughs> on the same panel here, uh, Peter, who they've definitely dragged along on J. Jonah Jameson's dime just to take a couple photos of the wheelchair in Dallas as opposed to taking them in New York when you wouldn't have to pay Peter. It shows him thinking and he says, it'll be nice to see Dallas again. And I recall reading in the past a book called the X-Men at the Dallas State Fair or the Texas State Fair. And I said to myself, wait a second, why have I keep running into these comic books or advertisements, as you say, involving Dallas and the Dallas Herald. So I did a little bit of researching. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll just quickly tell you the other titles that you may have missed. Of course. We don't research this podcast very much, so we appreciate your 
Well, there was a Christmas in Dallas for those Kingpin fans where Kingpin apparently is dressed up as Santa Claus and reveals his mask. So there's that one to look forward to. Uh, there was a Firestar and Iceman um, nutcracker themed uh, issue. <laughs> And Firestar and Iceman, I believe, only exist on the Spidey and His Amazing Friends TV show, so they're not even a comic book. Of course, I mentioned the X-Men at the State Fair, but there's two more. Um, one of them was Back to School with Hulk. And Eddie, it's Back to School. Which Spider-Man villain needs to go back to school? Oh, it's the Sandman. It's the Sandman. He's, look, he's looking for an You're education. correct. He's looking for a <laughs> uh -huh. high school diploma and or the a last college one. one. Well, he can get that high school diploma on the back of some of those old comic books that Zach and I have been reading, apparently, as we've mentioned in the Glob episode. So with that said, this is going to move quickly because we're going to go to the field where we get introduced to the Dallas Cowboys. We get to meet Danny White, Randy White, Tony Dorsett, and Tom Landry. And if you know anything about Tom Landry, he's always looked like he was about 50 or 60, probably in the, his mid-60s. Here, he looks like he's no older than 40. Looks nothing like Tom Landry, though I will give them credit. They do a pretty good Randy White. <laughs> but uh, suddenly, Spider-Man is, his spider senses are tingling. Something's going to happen. And there's a big kaboom. <laughs> but it's just a joke. So you're skipping over a key plot point here where the Dallas Cowboys in this big game, their halftime show is a circus. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't know much about American football. And yes, I understand in the UK we have mimes halftime during rugby. <laughs> but uh, is it, was this a thing? Did they ever have halftime circuses? No. No, they didn't. I mean, most... Never. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Eddie, have you ever exploded something in the name of comedy? I'm not sure if I have. I, I have to think back to uh, uh, definitely my youth for sure. <laughs> um, but this explosion here, <laughs> it, it does serve a critical purpose, right? It, I, it was planned. It wasn't just some accident because uh, Mark, little Mark here on his wheelchair, he disappears not too long afterwards, right? What? It was a division <laughs> all along, those sneaky circus bastards. I do love that suddenly, yeah, now that Mark's gone, they realize that quickly. I love Randy White. He's like the real hero of this. He's like, I'm going to go to the locker rooms and look for young Mark, you see? So Randy White is the guy with the mustache. Yeah. See, this is the one thing I'm sure, like, uh, well, I'm assuming that you guys knew who they were when you read, but I, I just, I was like, uh, they have names, I can't allocate them to which one, but I love the mustache guy. He's he's the real hero of the book. <laughs> you know who's not the hero is our villain, who has kidnapped young Mark. It is the ringmaster. And you know what he's looking for, of course, is this anti-gravity device. Would you like to tell us exactly why the ringmaster does not hypnotize Mark and have Mark tell us where this anti-gravity device is. I, I will let you know, this is my favorite part of this book. <laughs> I like read this book and I went right to my wife. I'm like, there's a part in this Spider-Man book or whatever this is, comic, and the ringmaster leans down to little Mark and he's like, tell me where the anti-gravity thing is. And he says... Well, I'd hypnotize you, but you're too angry to hypnotize. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just go hypnotize everyone else in the stadium. My wife was like, can this guy hypnotize children? Or, like, even if he can't hypnotize angry ones, like, 
uh, you know, he could come to our house anytime to hypnotize a child. Go and clean your room. Go and do the chores. I, I just really liked how he, like, I, I give up on this eight-year-old. I'll go hypnotize, like, 200 other people that happen to be in the stadium instead. <laughs> yeah. So with this, though, he's making the assumption that no one else in the stadium is angry. He's like, the boy is angry. We can't hypnotize him. I'll hypnotize everyone else instead. Hopefully, everyone's going to be angry. Mr. Mudge. Also, why have we not <laughs> why have we not addressed that the Mark's dad, the scientist, is called Mr. Mudge. M-U-D-G-E. What a what a great surname. Can we also address what a badass Mark is? Because instead of being scared like most little children, particularly ones in wheelchairs, would be after being kidnapped by a guy named the Ringmaster that was threatening you, he's not scared. He's that angry. He's like, fuck you, Ringmaster. And Ringmaster's like, oh, you're too mad to mess with, man. Mark's a badass. Plain and simple. True to his core. Do not mess with Mark Mudge or he will... <laughs> He will be too angry to hypnotize. <laughs> That's right. Actually, he he goes on the offensive. He uh, doesn't he purposely run over the clown's toe. He does. <laughs> yeah. He, I know we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys being heroes, but I I think Mark Mudge, good old Mark, he's the hero in this one. He is well, the hero. In the meantime, Randy Mustache is. <laughs> Walking around the, the back alley, the, the back corridors of the stadium when Spider-Man really goofily bumps into him in what I was really hoping was going to be a meet-cute moment where they kind of lock eyes and they're like, hey, I haven't seen you around here. And they, you know, they go get a coffee and retire to a, a nice cabin <laughs> in the mountains and, you know, they, they, they raise sheep. Can we mention that Spider-Man falls down after hitting Randy White? Because I understand Spider-Man pulls his punches against villains so he doesn't kill them. But Spider-Man doesn't see Randy White, and yet Randy White is strong enough to knock down Spider-Man. Question, is the Spider-Sense only for evil scenarios? Or would the Spider-Sense work if you were about to turn the corner and something was coming towards you? Surely that would go off then. He should know. They play fast and loose with the Spider-Sense. I've talked about the spider sense so many times, and it is forever baffling. It seems sometimes it can detect an enemy like across an entire city. Uh, other times, like the chameleon can send messages to Spider-Man through his spider sense. And when it's convenient, it just doesn't work at all. So <laughs> whatever, whatever they choose to do here. I was particularly interested in the dialogue. Um, here, here's Spider-Man, you know, the famous Marvel flagship character. Randy White walks into and knocks him down. And Randy White says the following. He says, Spider-Man, what are you doing here? Never mind. Did you happen to see a boy in a wheelchair? Spider-Man looks and says, nope. Nope. <laughs> Can't say that I have. No, but thanks for asking. Thanks, Randy. Doesn't even doesn't even say thanks for looking for him. I'm on the case. I'll find him. <laughs> yeah, they just nope. part ways. <laughs> He's like, nope. That's it. Not excuse me. Just his only light is nope. 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 So <laughs> Spider-Man walks away in the next panel with a thought bubble going, wow, what a confusing question to be asked by a pro football player. <laughs> yeah, I think I would actually be more concerned about Randy White at this point if I'm Spider-Man. It's like, why is he looking for a boy in a wheelchair? Isn't he supposed to be prepping for the game? Why do they have a professional football player looking for this kid? Regardless of that, Mark escapes using a credit card because this kid's badass. 
Right, sorry, just to interject again, I know I keep cutting you off, no, Mike, go but right my ahead. favourite panel in any comic book ever That's is on this. And I'm going to share my screen just to show you guys. This one here looks like he, to get the confidence to break out of this cupboard, little eight-year-old Mark has just schnozzed a massive rail of cocaine. <laughs> and he's like, let's go get him, boys. There's something else in that light. Watch out. Just pick me up. It does. It looks like he's holding there. a straw. He's wiping his nose. Yeah. As soon as I saw that, I was like, yeah, he oh, definitely, he's, oh. he's getting some, some powdered courage before he takes on the, the ringmaster. Oh, I don't I, even. Know I, I actually did not think it was that panel, Zach. I thought it was the panel above it, which, um, <laughs> which has some key information that moves the plot line along. I thought, see, the panel above it, there's two clowns, and I mentioned earlier that Mark had run over the foot of one, and I don't know if this moved you guys the way it moved me, but the first clown says, "Oh, my foot's still sore from that kid's wheelchair," and the second one responds, "Quiet, or you'll find that sore foot in your mouth." And I thought. Yeah, now I understand where they're kind of going with this plot and cleared up a lot of things for me. Very, very important to have that that section. <laughs> yeah, never, ever waste a panel. Ordering, it's all going to be in service of the story. <laughs> and I just want to mention as well, look at the, look how thick that clown's ass is in that panel. <laughs> that boy's got back. He looks like a, a bear or something like that instead of a clown. He definitely looks like he's wearing an adult diaper. Are you saying the other clown should have said, instead of finding that sore foot in your mouth, there's another place he could have put it? <laughs> he would have got lost in there, man. You don't. <laughs> a lot going on in that back. Lost his foot. Yeah. But we digress. Little eight-year-old Mark, coked out of his mind, manages to break out of the <laughs> the closet, and we cut back to the ringmaster. Now he has decided to take over the tannoy, the public address system in the stadium, the loudspeaker, if you will, mm -hmm. to use his hypnotic powers to convince everybody including the might, the sheer might of our hero, the Dallas Cowboys, to get Mr. Mudge and his anti-gravity machine. Does it explain anywhere in this book why the ringmaster needs the anti-gravity machine so much? I always assume it's why villains are motivated. He's going to sell it for a whole bunch of money, right? Yeah. That's what all villains do. <laughs> One of those you-have-it-I-want-it scenarios. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Mudge explains that he'll use it for evil purposes, clearly. Uh, my apologies. I actually had that panel right in front of my face as well. I am embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> A doy. <laughs> I was disappointed that the stadium is completely empty. I wanted the ringmaster to go ahead and try to hypnotize 60,000 yeah. people. It looks like he's going to get about 14. Absolutely. That would have been high stakes. That would have been great. Imagine having to fight an entire stadium's worth of people. Sheer actual terror. Not like, oh, I could, you know, maybe. It is a professional football team, but if I play my cards right, I might be able to escape this. For me, how does Spider-Man avoid getting hypnotized at this moment? I've got the answer for this. He just says okay, in wait. a panel, can't be hypnotized like the others. And that's all we need to know. <laughs> Oh. That's it. Yeah, it. Uh, he Spider Man is stood atop of the stadium. He may just be out of range, I guess, because he's on top of the stadium. The helicopter distracts the hypnosis, is what I interpreted. <laughs> down, coming in there, the downdraft from the blades of the helicopter push the hypnosis away. <laughs> so wait, the the ringmaster is folk. He is broadcasting his hat through the video screen, right? Yes. 
can he just broadcast it over television channels then and just take out like the entire world? Or is he only limited by using this particular screen then? Yeah, this actually goes back to our first episode. We were talking about how much it would actually cost at this time to advertise over public television. So he might be able to do it locally, but to be able to broadcast it at that that radius, he, he may should have waited until the football game because he could have hit hit a lot more people. All that said is yeah, he it does seem that bundled this. Yeah, it does seem that once he stops hypnotizing people, they're not hypnotized anymore. So I guess because the web stops the hypnosis, so it seems short term. So even if he were able to hypnotize people, it probably wouldn't be for a long period of time. But the obligatory <laughs> helicopter, of course, doesn't come in as good as it did in the Prodigy episode. Spider-Man sprays web all over the screen, so everybody isn't hypnotized anymore. And what proceeds to happen over the next two pages is kind of the keystone capers of them taking this anti-gravity device and everyone and their brother having it and dropping it and throwing it to someone else. So, yeah, it's, I think it was supposed to resemble a football game. But, I, gentlemen, I want absolute honesty in your answers on this. Why? Why would Ringmaster need a helicopter to come get him? when he is trying to steal an anti-gravity device. <laughs> Could he not just use that to fly away? As J. Jonah in the comic book kind of shows, it's a dangerous proposition. I guess it's it's kind of out of control, is what's going on. I, I honestly, I'm a little more interested in the dialogue that happens on page 11, starting, starting with the uh, ringmaster here, where he goes, bah, forget the unit. <laughs> Let's vamoose. I, <laughs> does anyone know what... I, I wouldn't mind taking turns reading the words for the next, like, four panels because, like, the football slash ringmaster references, Spider-Man references, are fantastic through this section. Or I could just read them to you because this is definitely against football rules as the uh, Spider-Man says getting tackled by the cloud. <laughs> These are some... This is some, some dialogue through this section, which... I, you know, yeah. and he does say here. Like, he said, "But it's still the best way to neutralize a villainous offense." Is it really? I thought your webs did a pretty good job. I don't know why he's not using them to stop some of this shit going down. I mean, I, I I would suggest, and it might be controversial, that a gun would be more effective in this scenario. <laughs> But I know what you mean in terms of the dialogue. In the next panel, one of the uh, number 32 of the Dallas Cowboys, whoever that happened to be, is slamming into one of the circus henchmen. And he's saying, it's fourth down for you, pal. Boosh. Drives him into the ground. <laughs> this some dad joke level writing for sure all the way through this section. None of the Dallas Cowboys who do any of the actual fighting are actual Dallas Cowboys. They did not have the four named actual people do any of the uh, fighting. So that way they, they don't have to say, oh, remember the time that Randy White like punched somebody? Uh, they're all no-name generic characters, Zach. So 32 is just a running back. Uh, there we go. <laughs> well, in the, the fracas, the, the, the clown-based football game that they seem to find themselves in, the anti-gram machine goes loose flies into the hands of our friend, J. Jonah Jameson. Now, I hear one of you apparently do a pretty goddamn good impression of J. Jonah Jameson, and I think the Mob Squad would like to hear it. I will try to do uh, the panels a little bit on page 12 or 14, whichever one this is, I'm sorry. 
Uh, but one page he says, uh, it says, the kid says, Mr. Jameson, look out. It might have been turned on. Turned on, you say? What will happen? Yikes, I'm floating. Let me down. Jesus Christ, I can't understand English. <laughs> That's amazing. But that also leads me really nicely into, uh, Mike, I've decided a segment I'm going to drop into the podcast. Okay, let's do it. Uh, it, it won't be a recurring one, but we can do it now. And this is called, Guess What Swear Words J. Jonah Jameson is Saying. <laughs> Now, in two panels on this page, there are uh, expletives in J. Jonah Jameson's speech bubbles. Uh, the first one being one, two, three, four, five, six characters long. So uh, my question to you, what six-letter swear word is J. Jonah Jameson screaming as the anti-gravity machine shoots him into the air? Does it have to be six letters? It does. Those are the rules. Shit. Uh, Cunter. No. <laughs> we'll go with we'll go with uh shitty and we're gonna put an E before the Y. That's <laughs> Or two two T's, hmm. right? Shitty. I mean, yeah, shitty. Shitty? Yeah, that's it. It works. Yeah, but it doesn't work in like why would you let me down? Shitty. Can't understand <laughs> English. I mean what like fucked? If we could put that one in yeah. there. That's six letters, right? Yeah. No. I... <laughs> I know he's obviously an American, but he could be a bit of British slang and throw bugger in there. Bugger! Can't understand English. Is bugger even a curse word? I mean, it refers to uh, anal sex, so... Oh, does it? Oh, yeah, to bugger someone is to have sex with their anus. Wow. Wow, that's a new story. I learned something today. That's what I love being on a podcast with him. He teaches me new things all the time. Very (laughs) educational. I'm going to start using that term out publicly because no one yep. in America knows what it means. So when I oh, tell them to bugger. <laughs> so well, let me ask you this serious question. Bugger off. How is that different? Is that kind of still the same? Or is it yeah, you can say bugger off. You tell people to fuck off. Okay, fair enough. Lesson learned. I, I can't believe in my lexicon I can't come up with a good six-letter word here. Right, so uh, redemption arc, there is another swear, which is one, <laughs> oh, two, three, goodness. four, five, six, seven letters. Ooh. Do you think when they were... They were creating this comic. They're like, look, we want to promote the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to bring in Spider-Man. Make sure we put in a few uh, swears from J. Jonah Jameson to kind of, you know, hook the adult audience in a little bit more. Do you think that's the target? Sure. Maybe they'll play a game in the future. Like, what's the missing swear word? (laughs) (laughs) At least they won't do what uh, DC did with, what was that Frank Miller Batman title where they had to blank out a load of swear words? But they did it after the book was printed, and they used a lighter black ink to block out all of the swears. So when you look at it under a light, you can just see what all the swear words were. I think that was called, uh, what's that called? Uh, Batman Redacted? That the series? <laughs> Batman visits the multiverse of badness? <laughs> but anyway, we digress. Seven-letter dick master- bag. <laughs> asshole. That's got to be asshole. asshole right? No, I want, there we go. We've got I want it. dick bag. Dick bag. <laughs> Bastard. So, talking about bastards, the ringmaster is in his helicopter. He's vamoosing, uh, apparently, and Spider Man can't have this. Now, not only does he have to follow the ringmaster by webbing the helicopter, but. J. Jonah Jameson is shitbagging his way <laughs> into the sky care of the anti-gravity device and it leaves spider-man in a tricky situation because not only as he takes off with the momentum of the helicopter two 
Dallas Cowboys, one per leg, grab onto him, confusing him, confusing Spider-Man for one of the circus villains, and get taken on a wild ride. Doesn't bode well for the IQ of the average Dallas Cowboy that they are forgetting who Spider-Man is. <laughs> so now Spider-Man's up in the air, tethered to a helicopter, which is obligatory in every Spider-Man advertisement special we read, with two cowboys trying to save J. Jonah Jameson. And thankfully, Spider-Man is awesome in this because somehow he saves Jameson, anti-gravity device pops out. But my favorite part of this is as he's falling, okay, the Dallas Cowboys fall off his legs and tackle both the ringmaster and a guy that's just got a gun. And it, it, suddenly they're like, oh, yeah, I guess Spider-Man wasn't the villain after all. There they are. We're falling. Let's not worry about trying to protect ourselves. We're just going to land and stop these guys. So I have two things that I urgently would love to say just about this one panel alone. <laughs> So first of all, uh, you've got to think with the length of the web in which Spider-Man is swinging, plus the weight of his body and the body of two professional football players, that the velocity alone, as he ricochets or uh, rather catapults these two pro football players into the villains, would solely result in the death of four men. Like, they would just be soup. By the time they connected with the villains and hit the ground, it would just be a red mist of misjudgment on Spider-Man's part. And my second point, he says, Yahoo, Spidey and the Cowboys to the rescue. Just like in the movies. What fucking movie has Spider-Man and the Dallas Cowboys fighting clowns? This is a team-up um, not seen, as far as I, I know, ever before, so... I don't know, they're going to have to write a movie. They're alluding to a future movie with Dallas Cowboys and Spider-Man. I think we got it for the next <laughs> one, guys. <laughs> yeah. So what is your opinion on this last page, James? What do you think about – I love the, the ending to these, and this is so cheesy and obligatory. <laughs> I, I need to get someone's opinion. Look, Spider-Man ends the final page has a nice Dallas Cowboys logo. It has the cheerleader, a couple of players. It actually has the Giants in the top corner kicking off. It was nice that they acknowledged them one more time with Big Blue. Um, and it just says, have a great game, gang. And he's just <laughs> waving, uh, breaking the fourth wall a la Deadpool. Uh, it just made me smile. I, I, I just, I was very happy with it. It, it was the wink from Peter Parker eating a hot dog <laughs> that really got me on the last page. Thanks, Petey. <laughs> I think we are done talking about this uh, train wreck-ish, but a little bit campy fun episode, and we would like to rate it. And for this, we would like to turn it over to James and Eddie to give us something to rate it on. Do you have anything you would like us to rate this on? Something that you saw in the comic that tickled your um, fancy? Uh, perhaps the uh, number of offensive linemen tackling Spider-Man. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, how many offensive offensive linemen do you give it, Eddie? Um, I, you know, this is such a scientific rating; it's difficult for me to decide. I, I, I'm going to give it three offensive linemen because I enjoyed aspects of it. Putting a anti gravity device on your child to float him around wherever he feels like is one of my favorite parts of this one. So, I don't disagree. Mm. Three offensive linemen. Can I, can I change the rating from offensive linemen to something else? Of course, you it's your rating. You can, you can rate. You it can rate it however you choose. 
I believe, Zach, the other day you were concerned because you wanted to do something like this, but I'd like to use Randy White mustaches. Oh, of course. But I will hand the keys of the Randy White mustache empire Be- over to my good friend, James B. Because because then I can give it what you were unable to the other day when I was listening to one of your issues, one of your podcasts. I'd like to give it two and a half Randy White mustaches. Nice. Ah. <laughs> Randy does have kind of a, a pretty nice mustache. I'll give him that soon. So, Zach, how would you rate this? I'm going to rate this on coked-out eight-year-olds. Nice. <laughs> Honestly, I would give this four coked-out eight-year-olds. This, it's wacky. That's what it's, you put it perfectly when you said it's campy and fun. This yeah. is, it's not a comic book to be taken seriously, and I think they kind of revel in that with just how silly they allow themselves to be. Okay, and finally, I guess I am last, and I am going to give it J. Jonah Jameson swear words, and I suppose I'm going to give it three seven-letter swear words, so that would be asshole, bastard, and dick bag, as we so eloquently <laughs> eloquently mentioned during our podcast, because it is stupid, but it's intended to be... This obviously is not canon in any way, shape, or form. I really do hope you're reading Spider-Man next month at some point, and it goes... Hey, I remember that time that I ran into Randy White while I was looking for that kid in the wheelchair. But I don't think that's going to happen. Regardless of that, and we'll make this one quick, how would we get the Dallas Cowboys into the real world? I think that's already been done. But do we have a different way? We'll, just, we'll, we'll, give, we'll give the boys a chance. So Eddie, James, and we'll, we'll just kind of like take the sideline. How would you get the Dallas Cowboys into the quote-unquote either MCU or real world? Sure. So... To bring them into uh, the MCU, you just have to have uh, them purchased by somebody. You could have uh, like Pepper Potts uh, buy the Dallas Cowboys, and then um, you know, br- and then while the Cowboys are playing a game in the New York Giants Stadium, uh, which is Big Blue um, in New York, all of a sudden, you know, someone like the Ringmaster and uh, the Cannonball there appear. So you could bring them in that way. You could actually do this entire issue just right in New York, though. Instead, be a little easier. Uh, I think I'll, I'd have them like, I'd have the lizard, uh, gas them. I'm exciting <laughs> the movies, I guess, a little bit and turn them all into like lizard cowboys, I guess. <laughs> and then a giant battle ensues. <laughs> like a lizard cowboy. <laughs> um, and I managed to work the lizard into this podcast, James B, too, if I say that. <laughs> He's one of my favorites. Why? <laughs> Mike, <Regardless>. their guests. <laughs> I don't care. It's not allowed, damn it. Not allowed. <laughs> so, with all that said, we would like to wrap things up. Primarily, the first thing we would like to do is thank our guest, Eddie and James B, from the Let's Read Spider Man podcast, which I love to listen to. If you haven't checked it out, you should. And I'm going to turn the floor over to these guys and tell, let them tell you how to reach out to them on the social medias, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you can find us at uh, Let's Read Spider Man at gmail.com. You can send us information there, or you can find us on Twitter at uh, Let's Read Spidey. You could find us on all the podcatchers that you use under Let's Read Spider Man, except Eddie for Pandora. <laughs> 
As the as the battle continues, James V versus Pandora, who they keep telling me we're just about ready to figure out how to fix your problem. Stupid Pandora. That's why nobody <laughs> uses you anymore. I'm sorry. Um, you can find us on most of your podcatcher places. All righty. Well, I will tell people quickly how to reach us. You can reach us on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And on the Twitters, you can reach us at Multiverse of Bad. And the tw- on the Instagrams, you can reach us at Multiverse of Badness. And where can they reach us on email, Zach? Mudge at multiverseofbadness.com. <laughs> or coked out seven-year-old at multiverseofbadness.com. <laughs> we will get that as well. So with that said, Zach and Eddie and James, I would like to thank each and every one of you. Even though I see Zach on a weekly basis, I still enjoy my time with Zach. He makes the podcast a great, fun atmosphere and not the angry atmosphere I tend to. And with that said, James, Eddie, would one of you guys like to lead us out? If you know our closing, if not, I'll turn it over to Zach. James B., it's all you. I'll give you the change on the Jameson version. <laughs> Tune in next time to the multiverse of bad. Yes. Yes. <laughs>